And by the way, today finishes our first six chapters of Daniel. Next week, we're going to jump into um, the book of Hebrews and pick up in chapter four, where we left off pre-COVID. And we're looking forward to getting back into that discussion together. Um, Heraclitus of Ephesus has a number of quotes. And in speaking of change, he said, and I know that this is deeply philosophical, but listen to this one. He says, you cannot step twice into the same river. For other waters are ever flowing onto you. That's deep, isn't it? But you can never step twice into the same river river he also was the same one who gave us the famous quote the only constant in life is change the only constant in life is change i'm going to show you some change isn't bad in fact some change is really good let me show you one change from 33 years ago that i discovered and this is a really good change i ended up 33 years ago, I was in high school, and we had a clash day. And so I needed something that clashed, so I went to my dad's closet, and I found some gems, people. Oh, my. I, I just changed the batteries on these last week. Aren't they a treat, huh? I'm t- I hope if you're watching online, you have HD, um, high-definition TV, because these things, any, any people here want to admit to having stuff like this many, many moons ago? Uh, they were, so I got those, um, and I used them on Clash Day. I, as well, found this beauty. Isn't that just divine, friends? I know, and it feels as good as it looks. Let me tell you, that is just a treasure. If any of you want to rent these from me, uh, meet me in the foyer afterward. That is a beauty. And then, um, just to top it all off, I also found this lovely coat of many colors that really um, had a lot to do with it. And so I, I ended up, the thing that got me, this is 33 years ago, the thing that got me is I wore those as a joke, but he used to wear them like for fashion. Like he used to think that that was awesome. Probably he used to say that was the cat's meow, you know, if that was the thing to say back, I don't know how many moons ago. <clears throat> so I look at that and I say, some change is good, Amen. Like, praise God, man, wow, that is just fascinating. Right there's a whole study to that. Some change is really hard. And there is no one in this room right now that is not affected by change. And it's hard. It's really hard. And in fact, I was reading a passage, if we think our change is hard... Look at this one in Numbers chapter 9. You talk about crazy change. Right now, we're, we're talking about like, man, I don't even know, how do we schedule vacation? Like, we don't even know what's happening with school. 
You know, some of us are like, I'd love to schedule a doctor's appointment. I don't even know what to do there. You know, some people are saying, how do I schedule life? Well, look at what happened to the children of Israel. When they were wandering in the desert for 40 years, they were being led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, we get this image in our mind like, you know, it was structured out and they knew exactly when they should go. Well, let me just blow that out of the water because you got to see the change that these people went through. Look at this, Numbers chapter 9, starting in verse 18. This is the change they went through. With the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at his command, they encamped. And as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in the camp. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order, did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days. And at the Lord's command, they would encamp. And then at his command, they would set out. Sometimes, uh, catch this, sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning. And when it lifted in the morning, they set out. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out, but when it lifted, they would set out. At the Lord's command, they encamped. At the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses. And you thought you had trouble planning, huh? Can you imagine that? Well, when are we going to stay and when are we going to go? I don't know. Like you could set up camp and be there at night. And then in the morning, the cloud starts to go again. Well, here we go. And then you could be there for a month or two or a year before it moves again. And then it may be two days. And then it might be the next day. And then it might be that night. Oh, the fire's moving. Time to get up and go. You just never knew. And we thought we had trouble with planning. Change is not an easy thing. And sometimes when we hit change, it impacts the way that we view God. And that's the story of Malachi and that's what we're going to talk about for a few minutes here this morning. I just want to give you a quick background. Malachi is one of the minor prophets, and they call them minor only because they're shorter, not because they're less important. And essentially, I, I want to walk through this quickly. God made some promises to Israel. God said, I am going to promise you. I'm going to promise you your own land. I'm going to promise you a great nation, and I'm going to promise that all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. And there were two brothers, there were twin brothers, let's see if you're with me, there were twin brothers, one was hairy, one was smooth, and the Bible said that the older one will serve the younger, and I don't know if many of you are acquainted with this story, if you are, what are the name of the two brothers? The two brothers are? Okay, that really sounded decisive. The two brothers are Jacob and, and Esau. 
Jacob being the younger, interestingly, that we always say his name first, and Esau the older. And God said, I'm going to make some promises to you. And he made them through Abraham and then through Jacob. And he says, man, your promises are going to go through Jacob, through the younger, instead of through the older. And I'm going to make you a great, I'm going to give you great land. I'm going to make you a great nation. And through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And it's going to be through Jacob. I love Jacob. That's where my promises are going to be. Esau, no, he's not the favored one. And his descendants are not the favored one. They are through Jacob. Here's the challenge. The children of Israel began to disobey and they walked away from God. And God said, you know what? I'm going to have to discipline you. And I need to teach you a lesson. And so here's what God did. And this is what we've been talking about in Daniel for the last eight weeks. God prophesied through Isaiah and Jeremiah, I'm sending a king through Babylon who is going to conquer Israel and cause discipline to come upon you. That king was Nebuchadnezzar. And boom, this is exactly what happened. God brought discipline upon Israel and he deported 70,000 Israelites to Babylon. We know specifically the name of four, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They came away from Israel, they came to Babylon, and for 70 years they were there. And then finally, after all of that, they began to come back to their land. And when they came back, they found that their land had been pillaged by, of all people, are you ready for this? The descendants of Esau, the Edomites. You talk about kicking them when they're down. You're supposed to love us, God, the descendants of Jacob, and then here comes the descendants of Esau while we're being disciplined, and they swoop in, and they take all of our stuff, and they go off and do their own thing. So look at Malachi. I'm just going to read verses 1 through 5 of Malachi 1. And that's how Malachi fits in with Daniel. It's a recording of their thoughts post-exile. So a prophecy, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. Verse 2. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you asked, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I've loved Jacob, but Esau I've hated. And I've turned his hill country into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. And Edom may say, though we've been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord Almighty says, they may build, but I will demolish. 
They will be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of the Lord. You will see it with your own eyes and say, great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. So God expresses love for Israel. God says, you know what? Here you're coming back. I want you to know I love you. I love you, people of Jacob. And those people say back to him, how? I doubt it. I'm questioning your love for me. And here's two truths I want to give you about disruptions. And I know that they're reality. I know that they ring true for me. I know that they ring true for you. And here's what they are. Number one, disruptions and hardships are a main reason why we question God's character. Think about it. Come on. These things are reasons why we question God. It's a reason why Israel questioned him. They went through challenges and they end up saying, God, I don't know if you're the same one we were dealing with before. Israel questioned, and here's the big fat theological word for us this morning. Israel questioned God's immutability. Immutability means that God does not change. Israel said, God, I think you've changed. You said you loved me. Now I don't know. I don't know if you do. There's a number of verses I could take you through that talk about immutability. I want to give you one. It's James 1.17. James 1.17, and here's what it is. It says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, Notice this phrase, who does not change like shifting shadows? He doesn't change. God's character is the same. God's promises are the same. God's stated love for us is the same. And you know what? We end up, I end up, face it with me, when we go through tough times, we end up saying, God, I think... I think you've changed. I think your love has changed. You know, we end up projecting our circumstances on God. You know, we end up doing the dandelion thing. You know what I'm saying? He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. We project the reality. I'm going through a tough time, and I wonder if that means that God's feelings or thoughts or promises or his character and nature, I wonder if it means he's different now. And it gets even worse, not only when we go through a tough time, but then when also it's someone that we struggle with who advances when we're going through a tough time. Like, you know, it's one thing to lose your job. But then when your greatest rival gets the job that you had, plus a raise. Doesn't that just make you feel good? Or what about you struggle with infertility and your irritating relative is having twins? 
Or you don't have any money and your coworker that admits to cheating on taxes and shady deals is just raking it in. Or what about when your enemy has a shiny Corvette and you have a rusty Chevette? You know, it's just like, this isn't fair. God, who do you love? You love me or do you love them? Do you, do you write in your Bible? I, I'm going to give you a, a psalm. You need to look up. It's Psalm 73. And I don't know if there's a more honest confession than Psalm 73 in all of Scripture. And Asaph, the psalmist, says exactly what you and I say at times. And it's something that you need, you need to read that psalm this week. It's a whole message unto itself, but he says, you know what? I know that God is good, but I've wondered sometimes when I've looked at the wicked and I've seen that they're prospering and I'm not. Now, come on. You've thought it, and I've thought it. I know God's good, but I've looked at other people, and they're the ones that are prospering, and I'm not. And then I've thought, maybe God isn't good. Maybe God has changed. Disruptions and hardships cause us to question God's character. Here's number two. It's the second truth. And this is what Malachi comes back with from God. This is what we need to embrace. Our disruptions don't change God's character. They don't change his promises. And they don't change his plan. Think about it. Our disruptions don't change God, period. This is the answer of God. I'm going to give it to you. And then we're just going to embrace this truth as we finish up. Here's God's answer to them. If you think that your disruption and your challenge changes who I am, he tells him flat out, I love you. My character still stands. I said from the beginning I love you. I said from the beginning I have this relationship with you. I don't have it with Esau. And so here's the truth. I still love you. My character is unchanged. Don't think for a moment, even though they may be running around with your things, that maybe I love them and I don't love you. My character remains. My promises, he says, my promises are the same. 
And he, and he mentions that right there at the end of verse 2. He says, was not Esau Jacob's brother? Like, hey, I know the promise. I know what I said. Yet I love Jacob and Esau have I hated. I know my promise. So God's saying, not only do I love you, I know what I said, and I'm keeping it. Like, I know my word. I'm still keeping my promise like Gibraltar in a hurricane. I'm immovable. And everything I told you before is going to happen. And then he mentions a third thing, and my plan is going to happen. And he says, you know what? They may feel empowered. They're walking around with your things. Verse 4, they may say, though we have been crushed, we will rebuild. That's what Edom thinks. And he says, you know what? This is what the Lord Almighty says. They may build, but I'm going to demolish. They will be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of God. You will see it with your own eyes and say, great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. And here's the deal. God says, I will continue my plan. Our disruptions don't change God one bit. His character, his promises, his plan remains the same and he needed those people of israel that were going through that to remember that and folks here's the deal he needs us to remember that too in our challenge in our change in our disruption folks god remains unchanged in fact just flip the page or scroll your text to chapter 3 of Malachi, verse 6. It couldn't be any plainer. Malachi 3, 6. God says it boldly, I, the Lord, do not change. So the descendants of Jacob, you are not destroyed. You know, we've been there. I've been there. I know we all have. And 22 and a half years ago, when my wife and I laid her dad to rest at the age of 56 and And you wonder, God, why? Or you go through tough times financially. And you see others who don't love Jesus and they're not, and you think, God. And the big story of Malachi for the people of Israel coming out of Babylon, he says, don't 
let short-term disruptions distort your perspective of God's eternal reality. Don't let disappointments of life deceive us into thinking God's different. But church is different. God's not different. Shopping's different. My vacations are different. Going to the doctor's different. School will be different. Yeah. Our nation seems different. Yeah. We were never, ever, ever asked to trust in our nation, in school, in shopping in our health care, or even in a church structure. We were always told to put our trust in the one immovable person of the universe, and that's God. The one who never, ever changes. I encourage us. There's a couple things that don't change. Not only his character, his nature, his word, And in a changing world, we can go to his word every day and find a light that illuminates our path. We find his word that gives his standards and his purposes To help us navigate through a changing world, that's his word. Another thing that changes, another thing that never, ever changes is the good news, his gospel, the path and the power to relationship with God both eternally and daily. And it's always and only through reliance in Jesus Christ. It's through his death on the cross. It's through an everyday relationship with him. That one sacrifice for all time, it is sufficient, it is timeless, it is eternal. It is powerful. The lesson for Israel coming out of Babylon, the lesson for us today, God never changes. Even when the world does, we trust in him. Would you stand with me for a moment? And everyone's life is changing with your eyes closed. Would you reaffirm and talk to God your trust, your love, your loyalty to our unchanging God. And if you're finding that things are hard for you today, 
That's why we exist. After your time of silent prayer, would you reach out to us today or this week and ask for help? Let's talk about connecting with this unchanging God. But talk to him in the silence right now. God, thank you that you never change. Although everything around us is in rapid change, you're the one, you're the constant that we can depend on, trust in, hope in, believe in. Forgive us when we confuse you with our circumstances. You don't go up or down with our circumstances. You rule our circumstances. You rule our lives. Thank you for your unchanging word and for Jesus, the unchanging way, truth, and life. And we come to him our way to you through the cross. God, help us to not trust in everything around, but to wholly lean on Jesus' name. And in his name we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Hey, God bless you. God bless your week.